You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Know your role and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hello and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues, and our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Joe Gallagher. Joe is a former amateur boxer who started coaching in 1993. He's been involved in over 300 professional fights, 100 title fights, and his fighters have won world, European, British, and Commonwealth titles. In 2015, he became the USA Ring Magazine World Trainer of the Year, then in 2018 to 2019 became the Boxing News Trainer of the Year for a second time. In 2018, he set up the Joe Gallagher Academy in Manchester, England, which now provides education and boxing courses for 16 to 18-year-olds. In 2019, Joe received a This Is Manchester Award for making a difference in his community. Joe's got great energy. He's an emotional person with a great story to tell. And some of the highlights from me from the interview were his belief that new blood motivates old blood and how he brings this to life in the gym. The work he does giving back to the community through the academy in Manchester, which he says gives him a feeling that, quote, there's nothing better than, end quote, which is saying something given the world champions he has coached. 
and his learning that underdogs need to have grit, tenacity and desire if they are to succeed. And just before we go to the interview, if you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to know more, then head over to our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. There you will find more video and audio content taken from the more than 150 interviews we have done with some of the world's great coaches. You'll also find our insight database where we have snipped out insights from the videos of our interviews on leadership topics like culture, communication and conflict. You can search through them by keyword, sport or coach, download and share them. We'll be adding to it regularly as we interview more great coaches from around the world. And now, please enjoy our interview with Joe Gallagher. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Joe Gallagher, good morning, your time, and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me on, and uh, thanks for getting me out of bed earlier. I'm usually up this time of day anyway, but uh, yeah, busy day ahead, but thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, boxing or combat coaches are my favourite to interview, Joe. So I'm very much looking forward to hearing about everything you've got going on, but could I start? by just asking, your surname is pretty famous in the Manchester area. Have you ever had yeah. Noel or Liam in the gym? I haven't had Noel and Liam, Jim. My mum, uh, my parents know their parents. And where I am here now, it's literally a mile and a half away. Noel Gallagher was singing there the other night, um, 25,000 uh, in Withenshaw, Um Park is a, an area where I grew up in a Manchester suburb and Burnage isn't far from there, but Noel Gallagher, yeah, he was there the other night singing with a primal scream. So uh, I didn't, I'm not saying um, I didn't go, but all I had to do was stand outside the front door here and I could hear them. Well, let's get, in, let's get on to some more serious stuff there now that we've got the, the, uh, the Gallagher name out of the way. Joe, you've had first-hand experience of of two legends, there's Jimmy Egan, of course, and of course Phil Martin, who I know means a lot to you, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about in this interview. But I'm also sure that you've seen some other great coaches from the other side of the ring, and I'm just wondering, from this experience, what is it you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Um, so, see, it's. When I look around that, when I, when I was growing up, obviously Phil Martin was a big influence on me, Jimmy Egan was. But at the time, Emmanuel Stewart um, was huge at the time in that era with Tommy Hearns and the amount of fighters that he was bringing out of that Cronk Gymnasium. Obviously, we grew up watching Muhammad Ali, so then you're seeing like Angelo Dundee. Um, it's what sets them apart. I'd like to say more later on than Freddie Roach. I just think it's more to do with the work ethic. I think uh, the work ethic, the attention to detail and the belief that they have in themselves in their work, which then carries over to the fighters, that they have full trust and belief in what they're doing. The trust in the process, as they say, it seems to be a key word these days, trust the process. Um, And I I think that's it. And I think it's timing. Um, Timing's a, a big thing, knowing when to say the right things at the right time. I had a journalist over here, Oliver Hull, who came and did a piece for us for the national newspaper. And he sort of likened me to like a horse whisperer. It's you see things that other people don't see. And it's hard to explain 
when you sit down and say, you see that? And they go, no, I don't see it. And you're like, and I think maybe, maybe we've all got a bit of the horse whisperer. Well, let's wind back a little bit because your boxing career finished when you were 16. You had to give it up. You had to take a job. I know that your father was the one that really wanted you to take that job. But how did that experience of sort of letting go of something you were so passionate about go on to shape the philosophy you have to coaching today? Um, first, first of all, it's like at 16, obviously your parents are your parents and they're looking out for you and that type of uh, a thing. But what taught me as a coach later on is never write that 15, 16-year-old off because the kids at that time at 15 and 16 who were absolutely flying sometimes fall off the, the, the rails they, they, they get a year or two older, they discover alcohol, discover girlfriends, and they never really fulfil their potential. But the kid that's 15 and 16, the, the steady edit, that just stayed at it, stayed dedicated, stayed focused, stayed motivated, came through in the end. And Tom Brady's a great example. I think he was picked 100 for uh, uh, the NFL. And I'm an underdog type of guy, and that's that, that was it. I know my parents at the time were saying the right thing, but that's sort of like... Don't be quick to judge and always give people a chance. And yeah, that that, that, that was it really. Don't be too quick to um, write people off. You say you're an underdog type of guy. You've had great experience along the years of taking some of those underdogs and being successful with them. What have you learned, Joe, about the things that underdogs need to do to be successful? I think... I, I, I just read a book recently um, when I was on holiday and um, I think a, a, a word that isn't used much, but it so sums up boxing uh, and an underdog is grit. I think grit. I said, as an underdog, you have to have grit. You're going to get everything thrown at you. You're going to tell everyone that you, you, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. And you've just got to have grit, bite down and just go through it. And very much like people say these days, be the elephant in the jungle. You have your hyenas and your jackals and the yipping and yapping, but you be that elephant and just keep growing and keep going. And uh, I think grit is paramount. Um, if you don't really have that grit and that tenacity and desire and drive, um, then that's it. But I think an underdog ha- has to have that. Grit is actually a big part of your story because there's this turning point in your career, if, if potentially not your life, when you stopped working at the airport and you made the decision to be a full-time trainer. And I'm curious yeah. if, if you can still remember those, those days, Joe, what do you remember yeah, learning most about yourself in that time straight after the decision? It, at the time, it was a very hard decision. I, I was married, had a, a young children. I think one was 10, one was four. And I was coaching in the daytime. I was working night shifts. I was living on three hours sleep. And at the, at the time, I think I had uh, two European champions, Matthew Macklin, John Murray, and people like Stephen Smith, Anthony Crowther coming onto the domestic scene. And by the weekend, I was just physically, emotionally shattered. And I just thought to myself, if I'm doing this on this lack of sleep, what could I do being able to have a good night's sleep and be fully into it? So when I had to make the decision, it was a very hard decision. It was a good job. We had private health, we had pensions, 
and the other half wasn't very supportive. It, she called it an expensive hobby. And what I remember the very first few weeks and months after it, after training weeks and a couple of weeks, sometimes on the Friday or the Saturday, the wife would turn around at the time and say, uh, so how much did you earn this week? Didn't earn nothing with training. Like the fight dates in October and we're in the month of August. But And that's not, and then the next week, and how much did you earn this month? And it was very hard to have that. And I, at the time, I just thought, so you've got to believe in what I'm doing. It'll come th- come true. If I don't do it in five years, I'll knock it on the head and go back to being, I wouldn't say an average Joe, but go back to being a nine to five work weekends, potter in a garden shed and that type of stuff. But I said, at the same time, if you don't let me do it, then I'll never forgive you because I'll always be thinking, what if, what if, what if? And anyway, uh, I made the decision. It was tough. And um, eventually it cost me my marriage. But um, yeah, it's. I think they're the sacrifices that, that that you have to have and have to believe it. It's it's been like on, on a high wire and taking that walk across it without having the safety net. I mean, I never had the safety net of a job no more. And it was tough. It was tough financially. Um, but like you say, uh, I, had, I, I had belief and desire and I was determined to make it work. This whole idea of sacrifices, actually, and pursuing personal development, it's a theme in your story. And it's a theme, I think, with the boxes that you train as well. You There's multiple times in articles I've read about you where you say you push people you know, out of their comfort zone to move them forward. I wanted to ask, Joe, when it comes to talking with your own friends and family now about self-development, I don't know how old your kids are, but when they talk to you about it, or perhaps they don't, I'm really intrigued to understand how you talk to them about their own self-development, what you challenge them with. It's really hard because boxing... Although I'm consumed and passionate, I try and not bring it into the family environment. Like my kids, Curtis and, and Sofa, they'll watch it, but they're not really bothered. I want them to live their lives. You know what I mean, I never wanted to force them into anything. Um, and that's it. And really, we don't really discuss much. But as far as my children, I've always said to them, don't tell anyone anyone can't do uh, anything. Always believe in yourself. Things are hard. It's like when you're first taught how to ride a bike, you'd fall off, you'd fall off, and it wasn't comfortable. You get grazed knees, but eventually you got it. Very much like swimming, you're deep in the deep, at deep end, and all of a sudden you've got to tread water for a while, then it feels good. That's what life's like at times, and you've just got to, it's tough and it's tough, but if you just keep going, it'll come through. You'll be able to go, ah, oh, I can tread water. Oh, I don't need stabilizers no more. Them feelings is... And you've got it like a pilot when he's taking takeoff. Once he's up and he takes his foot off, you're there. And I've, I've always been a bit, a little bit like that with my children in, in the fact that just you, you can believe it. Just look, look at me, your you dad. Do you know what I mean? It's just, and, and, and they know the environment that I operate in and the fighters and they're not supposed to win fights and the joy and the elation that I have on my face when I come home. And yeah, we did it. Um, they feel that and, and that's helped them in their careers. So, um, th- th- yeah, th- that's it really. I-, I try not to 
doing much, but the same thing again, I, I always try and encourage them to be the best and, and also to be who they want to be. Don't be trying to change somebody for something else. If that's who you are, that's who you are. Find your little tribe and, and that's you, and that's it. Wow. Youth development, giving back to the community. Those are big themes in your life too, Joe. And I know in 2018, you started the academy in Manchester to help 16 to 19 year olds complete their education. I'm wondering five years on how it's going. But you've done your homework, haven't you? Um, yeah, it's, uh, do you know what? It's, I love it. I love it. We've just had the ex- exams come through, uh, results. They've all passed the maths and English. Now, some will go on to university. Um, some will go and create a, a job elsewhere. Some of them are still involved with the boxing. Some have gone on to represent England this past season. Some have been called up to GB. Some will eventually turn professional. Some will go into sports and science. Some will go into the nutrition. Some will go into journalism. It's boxing such a, a huge umbrella that has a lot of little bolts on. And for me, at 16, as you said earlier, I had to go and get a job. I had to go and work on the roads with my dad, laying down flags and putting in curbs in hail, rain, snow or shine. These days, their education's to 18 and at 16, they have a choice. And when people who are involved in boxing sport, I'd love to have gone to a college that did boxing and also um, maths and English and, and everything else and to have set up that academy. The academy is part of um, a pathway to England boxing and it's doing very well in the northwest. We're here in Manchester. We have people coming the train from Liverpool, which is like half an hour, 40 minutes in the morning from uh, Leeds, from Stoke. So they're coming in on a train. Then they get the bus to the centre and they're there from nine o'clock till half three, Monday to Thursday boxing in the morning, education in the afternoon. Um, last year, they went to Tenerife for a camp. The year before that, they'd been to Barcelona. And with them children, very much like myself, I come from a council estate, rough council estate, one of the biggest in Europe. I never seen much past the ends of my street or my local shopping centre. And it's only when I went boxing and we went to hotels and you've seen chandeliers and posh cutlery, and uh, we are guilty of swiping a few, taking them home from our parents, posh salt and cellar, pepper cellar, um things. And it's the same for for these students that they're seeing another life. And when they went to Barcelona, did a, a tour of the new camp just to inspire them. And, and if it just lets the switch on one of them to go, yeah, this is the type of life I want, then it's a success. You've got to show people that it isn't doom and gloom where you are, that it, there is a life when you can get yourself out of this area and get into things and, and it's just to motivate and inspire and to give them a belief that, that they're good and that the paths past their the, the, their education and maths and English and I'm very proud of all of them and them that have gone on to become professional fighters and them that have gone on to do mental health which is very big now and uh, it's just fantastic to see them that when they join the course they, they have no confidence they're very nervous yet they're there a year later talking on my open days to possible students and parents that have got to join it and the development in the year to see them grow. It's just, there's there's nothing better than that. There's no better feeling than that. It's fantastic and I'm very proud of it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, you've actually got politicians coming in now to listen and, and take note of, of what you're doing. And I'm wondering what ideas you have for local community leadership to start helping and reaching more young people get towards their, their full potential. I, th- I think in the generation that I grew up in, there was always a youth club. There was always, uh, whether it be a football club, a boxing club, a karate club, a swimming club, um, basketball wasn't the thing when I was growing up, although it is very big here. But there was always some type of club where, or a youth club that some child could go to with their friends and be involved and be, feel part of something. There used to be lots more playing fields. There was football, there was rugby, there was cricket. And I just feel a lot of them fields have been knocked down and property built on them. I feel a lot of them clubs, youth clubs in the community have gone and disappeared. And a lot of children these days are stuck in the rooms and on gaming machines and losing how to communicate, how to socialise. And if I was to be anything, it is like to try and bring back them youth clubs, try and get them out of the rooms and try and be involved, try and get them involved in some type of sport in any way. Because when, as adults, we grow up and even as youths and teenagers, and there's severe bouts of depression and everything. What does a doctor always say? Get out, get some fresh air, do some exercise, get some sunlight. And if we can do that at a very early age and go back a little bit and, and, and get that, that's what I'd really see more and more participation in, in the community and laying on more stuff for the youth instead of them dawdling around idlessly or being numb on, on, on a computer game in the house till four or five o'clock in the morning talking to people all over the world and it's it's great technology now but everything in equal um, measurement I suppose but that's what I'd really install really it's a shame really when I talk about it how it was to how it is now I want to move on if we can from youth to you and I want to ask you a question but first I'd like to play back a really interesting quote I have from you and you say it's such a hard sport, not just the training side of it, it's the management side of it. There's ups and downs and fallouts. It can be very emotional. It drives you around the bend. You do have your lows. I treat my fighters as though they're my kids. You want the best for them, the best paydays, and the best opportunities. It can be exhausting. There's times when I felt like, do you know what? After this week, that's it. I'm out. But <laughs> you're still going strong. You don't so uh, any signs of of, uh, of slowing down anytime soon. But what I wanted to ask you, Joe, is how you've learned to manage the obsession that can come with coaching, especially when you have such driven athletes around you. 
Oh, obsession, big word, obsession. Um, yeah, when you when when you said that's it, I'm done. It's it's like the film. Uh, I had one foot out, and they're pulling me back in. Uh, I don't know really. It's um, it, it is it is an emotional sport. It is you're a phone call away from having a great day, or you're a phone call away from having a bad day. Um, you can be out for a family meal, having a good time, meet a phone call, and a sparring partner's let you down, or a fight's fell through. And it just kills the mood and the, the children and the family suffer with it. And then at the same time, you have an okay day, you'll get a phone call and you jump around the house like you've won the lottery. Um, them range of emotions is um, it, it, it is very hard to, to, to keep doing it. I don't know. I've been involved in boxing since the age of 10 and 54 now. So I had a 44-year relationship with boxing. At times it's been good to me and at times it's been very good to me and at times it's been bad to me. But there's a saying, you, you never bite the hand that feeds you and I just feel, I don't know, if, there's always things like people say, you get something you're good at and you try and make money. I've never been like that. I've just found something that I feel I'm good at it and I enjoy it and I love it. And my mum always says, as long as you've got your health, you've got that's your wealth. And I feel while I'm still uh, healthy to an extent and I can still do stuff and still feel I've got, I can contribute and I can still help people fulfill their dreams because that's what I want. I've got athletes now, a new team of fighters that I really feel could do, win British titles, European titles, challenge for world titles. And I just think to myself, I've got to go with this new team now and see how we go for the next five, six years and then we'll readdress it. I, I suppose I'm a huge fan of Alex Ferguson. So the amount of football teams he, he created at Manchester United, where they kept him evolving all the time. Um, and most of like Ferguson, this will be the, the last team now that I'll give it a go for for the next four, six years. And I always say new blood motivates old blood. And with the energy and the drive and the desire, the focus, the dedication and the one... They've got to want it as bad as me. And if they don't want it as bad as me, then, then we can't work together. And these fighters do want it as bad as me. And that young blood's motivating my old blood. And that, that that's, 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 that's how it is. Well, you're, you're actually very careful with the people you let into camp. I've read where you make them do a month's trial before you'll even agree yeah. to take them on. Yeah. I'm interested what this... I know that you've been doing this for quite a while, but I'm interested what it's taught you about the key things to look for when you're selecting someone to work with. Yeah, it's it's, it's mad when I look back and the people I've given trials to when I look at Paul Butler, Natasha Jonas, you're like, how on earth would you be giving them a trials? Do you know what I mean, Paul Butler was a former world champion when he came to me and Natasha was an Olympian, but it doesn't matter. It's... I try to keep everyone treated the same, whether you're a world champion or whether you're a prospect. And I think that's what's made the stable quite successful over the years. I've never allowed anyone to think they're bigger than the club. As Ferguson would say, no one's bigger than Manchester United. No one's bigger than Gallagher's gym or champs camp. It's it's about everyone being treated the same. I feel when I give them the woman's trial, it's about getting to know them. It's getting to know the work ethic, um, the drive, the personality, and like I touched on earlier, the, the, the desire and the want uh, and the focus. And 
does it match a level of mine? They get, after a month, an idea of the work ethic and the work program and the training schedule of what I expect from them. And also how we are gelling. After a month, they might think I'm an arsehole and I most probably think they've got an ego and we part ways with no one knowing anything. Or we go, this can work. And it's just that, really. We've, we've got to make sure, because ahead of us, we've got to have some hard nights. And I've got your back and you've got mine. Okay, they've nailed our colours to mass. Let's go and do this. And it is a siege mentality in the gymnasium. Your mentor, Phil Martin, was the person that gave you your first opportunity to become a coach. Today, mm. when you look at these boxes that you're, you're training and the people around them, the support staff in the gym, what are you looking for? What traits are you looking for if, when you try to evaluate if someone's going to be a good coach or not? Oh, to be a good coach. Um, you've got to understand when you've got a coach, to be a coach, you've got no life. That's all your life will be as a coach, 24-7, 365 days of the year. How you man-manage it is down to you. And I think man-managing fighters' time is very crucial. But when you're committing yourself to a fighter for the next 10 years, that's what you've done when you've took them on. So you've got to commit yourself for them 10 years. And if you take a number of fighters on then your time space. If you have one fighter for 10 years, well, they've got to be in a training camp and then they've got to have a few weeks off. So you'll have a few weeks off. But then if you have eight fighters or 10 fighters or at the moment in the gymnasium, 14, 15 professional fighters, well, they're fighting all times of the year. So there is no stop. You're fighting on a Saturday night and you're back in the gym Monday morning with whoever's next. So as a coach, I remember Anthony Crawler when he went into it, I said, Anthony, please think long and hard about it. I says, because you're not got to be, he's got a young family, you're not got to be having much time. It's it's a very hard job. And you've got to be, give it all, boxing as a fighter, as a coach, you can't play at it. And as a coach, you take that responsibility on that you've got to do the best for your fighters that you can do. And that's what they're paying you to do. They're not paying you to become Mr. Popular in social media. And they're not be paying you to be everyone's best friend. They're paying you to win titles. And like a football manager, you're based on result business. And that's what it is. And for other people, that's what I try and see. It's like, oh, this takes one. And then I say, oh, I can't make it today. I've got this. Oh, I can't make it today. I've got that. And the fight is at the gym and they're hanging around. And you just think to yourself, no, them sacrifices that I've had to make, um, whether that's children's, parents' evenings, school plays, funerals, weddings. I've always had to put the fighters first in them situations. With that context then, Joe, if I could take you back and introduce you to that 11-year-old who was starting out boxing at, I hope I've got this pronunciation right, Withenshaw Forum. Yeah, 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 yeah. What would you tell him? (laughs) <laughs> oh, what would I tell him wow first of all I wouldn't tell him anything because if I would have done I wouldn't be sat here now so that's one 
Secondly, if a was to be pushed, was to be, you should have told your dad you weren't going out working and you were following your dreams at the time because what to be a lawyer, do legal, a lawyer. And my dad said to me, you're not going to work in a posh uh, lunchbox. That's what we call briefcases, a posh lunchbox. You're getting out here and you're doing some proper work. So there was t- there's two. And the third emotional beef I was to say anything was to sometimes just keep your opinions to yourself. Um, less is more. But the trouble with that is, and in that situation, what I'd mean is, is I wear my heart and the sleeve and I'm an emotional person. And if I feel something's being wronged, I have to say it. I cannot stand by and let a, a wrong be right. I, I, I have to say it how it is. And if it gets me in trouble times, and it has in times for falling out with promoters and managers and boxers or whatever else, but I want to go to bed at night and put my head on the pillow and feel like I did the best that I could do today. I was honest with everyone that I did today and I can sleep easy. I didn't back down or I didn't swallow my pride or I didn't do something that I really wasn't comfortable with. You've just got to be true to yourself. And I feel that's what I have been. Joe, I know you've got other media commitments today and and fighters to see, but maybe just one last question, if I could. I've read what you talk about the fact that before big fights, you'll go to Phil Martin's grave and you'll ask him to look out over you that, that night and just keep an eye on things. For someone to have had that impact on you is, I think it's quite profound. Um, to have that impact on anybody is quite profound. But I wanted to spin it around and ask you in the future, what is the legacy that you hope you're going to leave with the people who are around you now? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, really. I don't know. I think... I'll see. I'll go and see Phil this week. Obviously, got a big fight with Mark at the arena, but um, it's funny that because we're just getting murals painted on the building, and the picture of Phil's face is on the shutters that was painted yesterday, um, and it's on a main road that travels in and out of Manchester. Um, diverting from the question, I'm deflect. I, I'm people are saying quite good at deflecting things away from me, uh, but I'm trying to my, listen. My legacy. Listen, my legacy is someone else's conversation. It's not for me to talk about. It's um, how people judge me. My fighters' results and accomplishments are in the record books. What we've done is there in the history books. So that's it, really. I I feel the legacy that, that I'm more concerned about is how my children, our family, and how I dealt with them, really, and how they went on in themselves. Um, how I was, I was a father and uh, a brother and son, um, more so than, than than anything. But as a legacy in boxing, if there was, and the fighters I've had with me in the same way we looked, I think the fighters, people most probably say, um, I had the back. I, I was a, a fighters coach, and uh, I went to battle for them every time but rightly or wrongly but I had the backs and I think that would be it really I think if I was to to challenge 
challenge you a little bit on that. I think the work that you're doing with the academy will will live on for a very long time as well, and will potentially create some great community leaders that can that can carry on the work that I know Phil Martin started back in uh, in Manchester in the eighties. Yeah, um, please God, it does, and uh, yeah, uh, I take that says one day this will be somebody else's dream. I think finishing with a take that lyric is probably the best way for us to go. So, Joe, it's been ripping to chat with you a little bit this week, fight week. I appreciate it. Um, I've no loved, I've loved reading about you and getting to know your story and, and just understanding the difference that you make in Manchester. So all the best for the week ahead. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Thank you for being on. And uh, let me know when it's out because I'll have to send the links to all my family in Ireland and uh, all over the place. So uh, my mum, my, my dad's over in Ireland, my sisters, and uh, they're always like, so I, I, I always try, I've always tried to make my parents proud of uh, of of me. And uh, yeah, just let me know when it's out and I'll send the links across. But thanks for having me on. It's been a, an honour to have uh, been on this podcast with the stellar people that have been on before me so it's a real honor thank you thanks joe hi everyone and you've been listening to the great coach joe gallagher i hope you got a lot out of joe's straightforward and emotional style and found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table locker room or boardroom table for discussion when i listen to joe the other key highlights for me were how the great coaches have a strong work ethic, which carries over to their fighters. They know when to say the right thing at the right time, and great coaches are able to see things that other people don't see. Wanting to leave a legacy of people who recognize he had their backs, and of being a good father, husband, and family member. And the way he judges fighters based on their work ethic, drive, personality, and humility. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Professor Ross Dowling, who after listening to our Trevor Gleason episode said, Trevor Gleason is a brilliant coach, leader, and motivator. Thank you, Professor Ross. We love the interaction with all the people around the world who listen, and so if you have any feedback or comments, then please let us know. And also, please let your friends know too. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.